Hello, and welcome to the Freshworks third quarter 2023 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1-1 on your telephone. You will then hear an automated message advising that your hand has been raised. To withdraw your question, please press star 1-1 again. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. It is now my pleasure to introduce Vice President Investor Relations, June Ha. Thank you. Good afternoon and welcome to Freshworks third quarter 2023 earnings conference call. Joining me today are Girish Mathubutham, Freshworks Chief Executive Officer, Dennis Woodside, Freshworks President, and Tyler Sloat, Freshworks Chief Financial Officer. The primary purpose of today's call is to provide you with information regarding our third quarter 2023 performance and our financial outlook for our fourth quarter and full year 2023. Some of our discussion and responses to your questions may contain forward-looking statements within the meaning of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. These forward-looking statements are based on Freshworks' current expectations and estimates about its business and industry, including our financial outlook, macroeconomic uncertainties, management's beliefs, and certain other assumptions made by the company, all of which are subject to change. These statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected in the forward-looking statements. Such risks include, but are not limited to, our ability to sustain our growth, to innovate, to reach our long-term revenue goals, to meet customer demand, and to control costs and improve operating efficiency. For a discussion of additional material risks and other important factors that could affect our results, please refer to today's earnings release, our most recently filed Form 10-K and Form 10-Q, our Form 10-Q for the quarters ended March 31, 2023, and June 30, 2023, and our other periodic filings with the SEC. Freshworks assumes no obligation to update any forward-looking statements in order to reflect events or circumstances that may arise after the date of this call, except as required by law. During the course of today's call, we will refer to certain non-GAAP financial measures. Reconciliations between GAAP and non-GAAP financial measures for historical periods are included in our earnings release, which is available on our investor relations website at ir.freshworks.com. I encourage you to visit our investor relations site to access our earnings release, supplemental earnings slides, periodic SEC reports, a replay of today's call, or to learn more about Freshworks. And with that, let me turn it over to Girish. Thank you, June, and welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on Freshworks Earnings Call, covering our third quarter of 2023. We delivered another solid quarter of execution as we outperformed our previously disclosed estimates across our key financial metrics. Our revenue exceeded the high end of our financial outlook range, coming in at $153.6 million for the quarter. We surpassed our estimates for free cash flow with $22.1 million in Q3, and we improved our free cash flow margin to 14%. We also held our first investor day in September, where we showcased our products and outlined the path that we believe will drive us towards becoming a billion-dollar company and beyond. Freshworks continues to reap the benefits of three industry failures. Businesses of all sizes are having to transform to compete, to compete digitally. Expectations for customer and employee experience are evolving to center around modern messaging. And AI is breaking down silos, offering richer insights to help businesses understand much more about their customers and employees. This quarter, in particular, we added new generative AI capabilities across products and opened up our Freddy Insights beta program following Freddy Self-Service and Freddy Copilot in Q2, which is intended to unlock more value out of our existing product suite. You'll hear me talk about AI quite a bit today, starting with customer support. I'm really excited by the traction we've been seeing since launching our customer service suite in August. It's our all-in-one solution to combine bots, modern messaging, and ticketing. In the first two months, our sales team signed on more than 200 customer service suite customers 
from new and existing customers. And we are seeing higher levels of engagement with the product than with FreshChat alone. The suite not only saw great traction with new customers, but also with longstanding ones, including a large US TV network and a high fashion jewelry company who decided to migrate to help them scale self-service features with our bot capability. An early adopter of the customer service suite, Pathway Couriers in South Africa, delivers over 16 million parcels annually to an area nearly twice the size of Texas. The company is growing, but found its previous provider offering a disjointed customer service experience across different channels. Now, with the customer service suite, agents are able to better address this issue, can handle live chats with automation, and gain deep insights into ticket trends. We continue to invest in cutting-edge AI capabilities for our customer support users. In our initial beta for Freddy Copilot, we were predominantly focused on driving agent productivity. We have heard great feedback from our customers, including Monos, a luxury luggage brand, we featured during our investor day. Thomas Cook, a popular global travel company in the UK, using Freshdesk since 2021, and iCorp, a business process outsourcing company, with 40,000 employees, are beta testing Copilot features to further enhance agent productivity. Steady Copilot adoption and usage among customer service customers increased meaningfully from Q2. In Q3, we continue to see growing demand for our IT product with mid-market and enterprise customers. We win with a unified service operations platform that enables customers to improve service reliability. Our customers including Chalhope Group, Valley Children's Healthcare, and Travelopia, see great value in our unified product. ITOM, in particular, is gaining traction with momentum for fresh services, major incident management feature. We added new capabilities to this feature, and the customer base is growing. Almost 1,500 customers now take advantage of post-incident reports, automated major incident creation via alerts, and organizational updates through a branded status page. We continue to harness the power of generative AI to enable IT and other business users to focus on high-value work by using auto-generated ticket summary and ticket response suggestions. Our newest beta release includes GenAI-powered virtual agents that eliminate forms to create a more conversational experience for employees. Early adopters of these new AI features for fresh service include existing customers, Restaurant 365, and Confluent Health. Fresh service customer adoption of these features has more than doubled since Q2. Through our continued innovation to meet the IT needs of large enterprises and the mid-market, we believe we are increasing mindshare with CIOs and anticipate that this will enable us to execute on the broader ITSM opportunities. On to sales and marketing. We continue to execute on our vision of delivering an easy-to-use, quick-to-setup smart CRM that assists sales teams in generating leads increasing conversion, and accelerating revenue. In Q3, we made improvements to the inbound experience in our sales and marketing products. We revamped the UI of Fresh Sales to improve user efficiency, productivity, and data accessibility. The upgraded interface for sellers helps boost context, AI-powered actions, and team collaboration for faster deal closure. For example, a local cabinet maker in Georgia named Click Studios uses both Fresh Sales and Fresh Desk to help support and sales teams to collaborate better, which has helped Click Studios improve its sales cycle by up to 35%. We also continue to strengthen our AI capabilities for marketers to improve campaign creation while boosting efficiency, conversion rates, and customer satisfaction. In summary, Q3 innovation was centered around unlocking more productivity for our customers through AI-powered customer service, IT, and sales and marketing products. And we will continue building and offering richer insights to help businesses understand their customers and employees. Now, over to Dennis, who will give more detail on the opportunities we are realizing with customers and the ongoing impact of changes we are making to our GTM operations. Thanks, G, and thank you, everyone. We appreciate you joining us for today's call. As we talked about at our investor day, on top of product innovation, a few key growth drivers are helping us deliver on our targets for revenue, operating profit, and free cash flow. 
let me provide some highlights from Q3. Firstly, our unique go-to-market approach efficiently serves the Fortune 5 million, combining an efficient inbound sales motion, growing field sales presence, and a partner ecosystem that's built to scale. Large customers like TriPoint Homes and Qualthon turn to Freshworks along with mid-market customers like Salvation Army Australia, ASPCA, and Jackson Family Wines. We added nearly 1,000 net customers in the quarter, resulting in a total of over 66,600. While we're addressing companies of all sizes, we're also targeting larger, higher yielding customers. In Q3, Freshworks customers paying us over $50,000 in ARR grew 32% year over year, or 30% on a constant currency basis. This cohort continues to represent 46% of our ARR as larger customers fuel the growth of our business. One example, a national home builder has $4 billion in annual sales and 6,000 employees. They needed a consolidated platform that manages ticketing, ITSM, and asset management to improve their efficiency given each of those was previously managed in disparate systems. They chose fresh service and added marketplace integrations to help them scale their global service management needs. Another large company using fresh service is Qualfon, a leading business processing outsourcer with with 15,000 employees. They used a legacy provider's ITSM tool for years, but it never delivered on automation. Qualfon chose fresh service because it is easy to use and supports employee needs right out of the gate. They can now automate over 2,000 requests per month and saw an average resolution time improvement of 70%. Looking at our opportunity for expansion, higher rates of multi-product adoption with larger customers are contributing to this growth driver. In Q3, 25% of our total customers used more than one product. In our larger customers, we're finding more than half of our $50,000 plus ARR customers are using multiple products. One example is Giant Eagle, a retailer with more than 470 stores and approximately 36,000 team members. Giant Eagle chose Fresh Service for its user-friendly, results-driven platform, and this summer introduced Fresh Chat to better measure employee engagement. Building off an encouraging increase in self-service among team members, Giant Eagle is now eager to integrate other communication platforms like text. Western Financial Group is another great example of fresh service to fresh chat expansion. The Canadian insurer needed an enterprise tool to allow support teams to collaborate and respond effectively to frontline teams, keeping data and reporting separate. Moreover, they wanted to unlock tools for change, problem and asset management, and CMDB. They chose Fresh Service because of its vast automation opportunities, ease of use, and clean interface. Most recently, they have expanded and begun using Fresh Chat. Turning to our SMB opportunity, this remains large. As G mentioned earlier, we're taking advantage of that by enhancing our inbound motion with a view to driving higher conversions and attracting stickier customers. We saw encouraging signs in the SMB segment in Q3 as the churn rate improved year over year and also quarter over quarter. Millions of SMBs need to adopt AI and automation now to stay competitive, and we believe AI can greatly simplify customer and employee experiences. Underscoring this, many of our AI beta customers today are SMB and mid-market companies, including Ultra Fabrics, an early pioneer of socially conscious fabric manufacturing, Jacob Stern & Sons, a distributor of specialty agricultural products since 1850, and Virtual Identity, a digital creative agency. Each of these customers uses Freddie self-service to automate level zero and level one support with modern virtual agent conversations. We're embedding AI capabilities across our products as this is a critical growth driver for us. New features include Contact Scenario for Freddie Insights, which analyzes top contact scenarios in tickets and conversations and helps deploy bots for them. This is just one of many enhancements we released with Freddie AI to deliver more value to our customers in Q3. Our plan is to monetize increased automation through bot sessions 
in a consumption or usage-based model. As automation frees up agents to focus on higher value work, we can also assist with our co-pilot add-on that helps them be more productive. Our continued traction with larger customers over $50,000 in ARR, combined with our expansion motion and large SMB opportunity, create a go-to-market motion unique to Freshworks. We believe it is this combination of growth levers that gives us confidence in our ability to reach our goal of $1 billion in revenue in the next three years. I'm also excited to announce the upcoming appointment of a new management team member who will be crucial in helping us reach that big goal. Nika Yamamoto will join us as Chief Customer and Marketing Officer on November 20th. Nika has proven executive leadership experience at large public tech companies with deep technology, sales, and marketing experience, serving multiple buyers that are relevant to Freshworks. She was most recently the Chief Customer Experience and Marketing Officer of F5 and was previously the President of Marketo, Chief Digital and Marketing Officer at SAP, and held senior roles at Amazon, Gartner, and Microsoft. Now over to Tyler to go through the Q3 financials and talk about how we're driving efficiency. Thanks, Dennis, and thanks again to everyone for joining us. Before I get started, I want to thank you once again to everyone who attended our first Investor Day. It was great to spend time with many of you in person and to provide an update on the Freshworks story. Once again, we had another quarter of good execution in Q3. We beat our revenue growth estimates and continued driving additional leverage in the business to expand both non-GAAP operating and free cash flow margins quarter over quarter. We continue to realize the financial benefits resulting from the operational changes made earlier in the year, and we're creating a healthier position to drive profitable long-term growth for the business. For our call today, I'll cover the Q3 financial results, provide background on the key metrics, and close with our forward-looking commentary and expectations for Q4 and the full year 2023. I'll also include constant currency comparisons for certain metrics to provide a better view of our business trends. As a reminder, most of our discussion will be focused on non-GAAP financial results, which exclude the impact of stock-based compensation expenses and other adjustments. Starting with the income statement, revenue grew 19% year-over-year to $153.6 million on a reported basis and 18% adjusted for constant currency, as we're beginning to see the positive impacts on currency rates for the euro and pound against the dollar over the past year. ITSM deal activity continued to drive much of the growth in Q3, while expansion rates ticked down slightly in the quarter. Turning to margins, we had another strong quarter of non-GAAP gross margin of 84% as we efficiently scaled a business. In Q3, we achieved a non-GAAP operating margin of 11%, which represents a three percentage point improvement quarter over quarter. This was driven by lower than expected headcount related costs, some delays in spend, and ongoing improvements on operating expenses. Turning to our operating metrics, we have two key business metrics, net dollar retention and customers contributing more than $5,000 in ARR. Net dollar retention was 108% in the quarter, which includes a two percentage point benefit from FX. In Q3, our overall churn came better than our initial estimates, slightly improving from the prior quarter. Looking ahead, we are planning for the lower net expansion trends to persist for the remainder of the year as we expect net dollar retention to be approximately 105% for both constant currency and as reported in Q4. Moving to our other key business metric of number of customers contributing more than $5,000 in ARR. This metric grew 17% year over year to 19,551 customers in the quarter and continues to represent 88% of our ARR. On a constant currency basis, this customer metric grew 16% year over year. For our larger customer cohort, contributing more than $50,000 in ARR, this cohort grew 32% year over year to 2,268 customers and represents 46% of our ARR. Adjusting for constant currency, this cohort grew at 30%. We added nearly 1,000 net customers in the quarter, which was an increase from Q2. We ended the quarter with a customer count of approximately 66,600 as we continued our focus on attracting higher yielding customers and building a healthier base and driving a higher ARPA. Moving to calculated billings, balance sheet, and cash items. 
calculated billings grew 21% year over year to 165.3 million and 19% on a constant currency basis. Factors including timing duration of contracts and revenue reserves in the quarter create a slight benefit of 1% to these growth numbers. Looking ahead to Q4 2023, our preliminary estimate for calculated billings growth is 18% as reported and 17% on a constant currency basis. For the full year 2023, we expect calculated billings growth to be similar to our expected annual revenue growth of approximately 20% for both as reported and constant currency. During the quarter, we generated 22.1 million in free cash flow ahead of our estimates and reflective of the efficiency improvements we're making in the business. We ended the quarter with a similar balance for cash, cash equivalents, and marketable securities of $1.16 billion. We continue to net settle vested equity amounts using $24 million during the quarter, which is reflected in financing activities. And this activity is excluded from free cash flow. As we look forward to Q4, we plan to continue net settling vested equity amounts, resulting in Q4 cash usage of approximately $18 million using current stock price levels. For the year, we expect to use approximately $70 million to net settle vested equity amounts. Given the meaningful operational efficiencies we've realized so far this year, we are raising our free cash flow estimates for the full year 2023 by $15 million to $75 million. Turning to our share count for Q3, we had approximately 327 million shares outstanding on a fully diluted basis as of September 30th, 2023. The fully diluted calculation consists of approximately 295 million shares outstanding, 29 million related to unvested RSUs and PRSUs, and 3 million shares related to outstanding options. Let me now provide our forward-looking estimate. For the fourth quarter of 2023, we expect Revenue to be in the range of $156.7 million to $159.3 million, growing 18% to 20% year over year. Adjusting for constant currency, this reflects growth of 17% to 19% year over year. Non-GAAP income from operations to be in the range of $5.5 million to $8.5 million. And non-GAAP net income per share to be in the range of $0.04 to $0.06, assuming weighted average shares outstanding of approximately 303.3 million shares. For the full year 2023, we expect revenue to be in the range of $593 million to $595.5 million, growing 19% to 20% year over year. Adjusting for constant currency, this reflects growth of 19% to 20% year over year. Non-GAAP income from operations to be in the range of $38.5 million to $41.5 million. And non-GAAP net income per share to be in the range of $0.23 cents to $0.25. Cents assuming weighted average shares outstanding of approximately 300.1 million. Given the U.S. dollar trends over the past year, we saw a slight positive impact to our growth rates in Q3. Our forward-looking estimates are based on FX rates as of October 27, 2023. So any future currency moves are not factored in. Let me close by saying we continue to execute on our goals in Q3. We maintain our rapid pace of product innovation, realize the benefits of operational changes made earlier this year, and remain focused on the growth initiatives to help drive momentum into 2024. We're excited and look forward to our many opportunities ahead. And with that, let's take your questions. Operator? Thank you. And as a reminder, to ask a question, please press star 1-1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press star 1-1 again. And our first question comes from the line of Scott Berg with Needham and Company. Pardon me, Scott, please check your mute button. Okay, one moment, please, for our next question. And our next question comes from the line of Ryan McWilliams with Barclays. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the question. Pleased to see the continued work to improve profitability here. Um, Just asking about, you know, kind of how things move 
through the third quarter? Like, how would you say your new business did, um, you know, in the month of September? And, you know, how has October been so far? Thanks. Hey, hey sorry about that, Ryan. Uh, thanks, man. Uh, I think the question is around linearity. And so uh, as we went through September, kind of played out as, uh, as we expected, uh, meaning that, you know, we've been dealing with larger companies and larger deals and have, over the last, you know, let's call it year, become a little bit more back-end loaded. So that was expected. October, you know, the guidance that we just gave out is, you know, takes into account everything we see. We're trying to call it as we see it. So October is going as we expected as well. Appreciate that. And I know it's early, but, you know, we've heard a lot of um, customer interest around pretty AI. So um, any more detail on the timing of the rollout there, any of the early expectations or any just any more additional commentary around how that can be initially adopted within your customer base, like maybe a penetration rate or um, what, what kind of customer we can see that first. And thank you. Sure, Ryan, I'll take that. This is Girish. So um, we have actually, if you remember last uh, quarter during Investor Day, we actually said that uh, several of our customers were beta testing our Freddy AI, specifically, uh, Freddy self-service, uh, which is the uh, self-service automation capability for customer service and employee service, uh, that is um, in, in um, being used by our customers. We are monetizing it through our bots in the customer service platform. And um, Freddy Copilot and uh, Freddy Insights, this quarter, we have actually put it in, uh, when I say this quarter, I mean pre-3, uh, we have actually uh, put it in beta into our customers. Thousands of customers are using it. Our plans for monetizing uh, pretty co-pilot would be we're thinking of uh, Q1 uh, 2024 is when we would start uh, charging for co-pilot, and that's an add-on uh, to agency licenses. Uh, we are still working with customers on insights. We have not uh, finalized the pricing for insights yet. Appreciate color. Thanks, guys. Thank you. One moment, please, for our next question. Our next question comes from the line of Scott Berg with Needham & Company. Hi, hopefully everyone can hear me this time. Congrats on the strong quarter and thanks for taking my questions. Um, I, I guess a couple, Dennis, wanted to start with you. Sales and quarter, you seem you know, quite, uh, quite pleased with them. One of the trends I've noticed over the last couple of years is your third quarter kind of customer ads are you always have a seasonal dip versus the second quarter kind of results. And, and this year looks like it's you know very much the same. Can you help remind us what you see internationally that might be causing a little bit of that uh, change from Q2 to Q3? My guess is it has something to do with uh, just the European sales cycles, but didn't know if there's anything more nuanced to call out there in particular. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Yeah, nothing really nuanced there. I don't think we had anything this quarter uh, related to European sales cycles. We continue to see strength in the larger accounts, uh, continue to see strength in IT. And, um, you know, we did see an uptick in net ads to uh, around 1,000 net ads for the quarter from last quarter. Uh, so we didn't see the kind of uh, dip that perhaps we've seen in the past. Uh, remember, last quarter uh, we had in, in Q2, we had a free offering for our uh, fresh sales product that we then pulled back, and that has resulted in the, uh, the increase in the overall net ads for Q3. Got it. Helpful. And then I wanted to follow up on the question on improving win rates, or excuse me, improving churn down market. I think that's always uh, super interesting because a you know point improvement there makes a, a big difference both on the top line and, and bottom line profitability. You know, how should we think about your opportunity to improve that um, you know churn in that segment? SMB churn across software is always notoriously low. I know you all have, all, all have had some some success improving that number, but how do we think about what that kind of runway for improvement looks like maybe over the next several quarters? Yeah, hey, Scott, this is Tyler. Um, you're right. We've actually done a really good job on churn just as a company over the last, I would call it, you know, year plus, where we've had quarters where it's kind of remained stable, and then, you know, other quarters where we actually make some, some good improvement on it. This past quarter was a company best for us in, in, in terms of churn in general. Uh, and that's across the board, across the products. Uh, on the SMB side, um, I think it's, you know, more characteristic that the, the products are getting better and we're getting also better at kind of 
uh, focusing on the right ICPs for uh, ideal customer profiles for our customers, even on SMB, um, which has led to, you know, maybe slightly lower total number of customers, which we've seen in the last couple uh, of quarters, but, uh, but better customers in some cases. So I do think that going forward, you know, the improvements are going to be more subtle, but uh, I do think that we do have a, a little bit of room to go uh, in terms of improving churn over the next year, year and a half. Excellent. Very helpful. Thanks for taking my questions, and congrats on the strong quarter again. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. One moment, please, for our next question. And our next question comes from the line of Pendulum Bora with J.P. Morgan. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for taking the questions, and congrats on the quarter. Um, I want to ask you on, on the bot side, can you help us maybe understand what portion of the overall ARR today is driven by bot-based pricing? And how should we think about kind of the changes uh, in the pricing and packaging that went into effect uh, in August? How is that going to be layered into the model? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with that, talk about the financial parts, Pendulum, this is Tyler. Uh, you know, we changed the pricing at the end of Q2 uh, in terms of, uh, you know, our chat pricing, which then, you know, uh, the uh, the bots are, are, are kind of embedded in that, which would also embed the uh, Freddy self-service capabilities. Uh, it's really, really new. And so we don't have that much embedded uh, in terms of the new feature functionality. We do have, you know, a, a decent amount of chat revenue, and we would expect that to continue uh, to, you know, kind of increase uh, as we progress here. Uh, the other AI capabilities, right, we haven't started charging for it. They're still in beta, and they will be coming out kind of, um, you know, Q1, and that's, uh, that's really Copilot will be the next one that's coming out. And so, you know, every quarter we expect to have a little bit more increase on, uh, on Friday self-service. Again, that's going to be reflected more in chat usage. Yeah, understood. And, and Tyler, on that topic, then, it seems like you have a, a few tailwinds, like going into – to next year, the bot-based pricing, the AI SKUs that I think uh, Grish said will be monetizing in Q1, uh, maybe potential stabilization on the NDR metric. Um, obviously, macro and geopolitical climate is a wild card, but help us understand how are you thinking about 2024, um, what are the puts and takes um, as we look look forward? Yeah, so, so we haven't guided to anything for 2024 yet. And on Investor Day, you know, we kind of talked about 2025 in terms of getting to rule of 40, and then we, we talked about some revenue numbers for 2026. We'll give out the 2024 numbers at the end of this quarter. I do think you're, you're right, you know, in terms of turn I just said. I think we can make some, you know, slight improvements there, but it's, it's definitely heading in the right direction. Uh, in terms of the, the AI SKUs, it's so new. Uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, on, on those things. And, um, the, the one other comment you made on macro, we, we don't expect, you know, macro to immediately return around, turn around. And for us, that would be reflected in, you know, our expansion motion uh, increasing with agent addition, meaning companies are going back to hiring. And, you know, we expect that to see continued pressure for a while. So we've kind of built that into to our expectations. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. One moment, please, for our next question. Our next question comes from the line of Rob Oliver with Baird. Great. Hi. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my questions. Uh, D Dennis, one for you, just on um, the comment around more than half of the 50,000-plus uh, customers now using two products. Uh, clearly, great great product, uh, uh, progress on that front for you guys. I think you said overall it's at 25%, which is kind of what, what you had said at the analyst day, which is great. J just curious, you know, uh, as you make that move sort of off-market, are you seeing more multi-product lands, or are these still largely expands? And then can you talk a little bit about what you see in the pipe and if there's a mix of those? And then I had a quick follow-up. Yes. Yeah. Sure, yeah. So uh, thanks, Rob. We do see multi-product lands. They tend to be uh, multi-products within the same family. So an example would be a customer taking IT plus ESM uh, or Fresh Chat and Fresh Desk. Uh, now, most of our expansion in those larger accounts tends to go cross true persona, so from IT to CS. In fact, if we look at our largest expansions, um, those are true cross-product expansions. Some of them I think we talked about in the, uh, in the prepared remarks like Giant Eagle and uh, Western Financial. 
so as we as we continue to move up market, that expansion motion is becoming more and more important for us, and that's going to be a big emphasis for us going into next year. Great, that, that's really helpful. Thanks for the color there. Um, yeah, and and then just just on the macro, um, you know, Tyler. I, Appreciate your your comment uh, in response to the last question, just about how you're thinking about macro and, and around agent count. Uh, you know, where you kind of reiterated what you said at the analyst day, which is, you know, hey, we're not really counting on those agent additions. You know, and that sounds like that's pressure that's likely going to remain here. But on the other hand, you know, it does seem like you guys. I mean, you deliver tremendous value for the price, so I'm just just be curious, you know, to get a sense, you know, as the execution's been strong here, what what, what you know is there is there a flip side to the sort of macro um, headwinds where some of those mid market customers are, are feeling like they, it, it maybe upper end can get a lot more value with you guys? Are you seeing some of that as well? Thanks. Hey Rob, uh, I think that is Girish. So first of all, I would like to say that. Uh, from a macro standpoint, uh, we are not seeing any significant change uh, in Q3 compared to Q2. And, and one of this, um, clearly, when companies are still carefully considering their spends, we are a vendor of choice uh, because of our affordable uh, pricing and lower total cost of ownership. So that may be in play, but not, that's not specific to Q3. That's uh, pretty much our promise to our customers. And uh, uh, as we see continued demand for AI and even to offset. Uh, moving forward, we hope that hey, our AI strategy will help us uh, make money when businesses are not hiring agents. That we'll make money when businesses are uh, hiring agents by making them more productive and also our insights product helping open up a new skew for leaders. Great. Thanks, Chief. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. One moment, please, for our next question. Our next question comes from the line of Brett Noblick with Cantor Fitzgerald. Hi, guys. Thanks for, for taking my question. Congrats on the quarter. Um, I guess the first for me, you guys talked about your AI products. Um, it made it seem like that maybe SMEs might be the biggest early adopters of those. Is that how you're thinking about it? And you think that could help maybe drive a step function improvement in turn at the lower end of the market? So, yeah, I'll take that. Uh, so, first of all, if you look at the three pillars of our AI strategy, uh, pretty self-service, um, I think, will be uh, really, really useful and adopted by larger customers because uh, they are the ones who have a large volume of uh, support, like millions of customers uh, coming in for support. So that's where the scope for automation is much higher. Uh, on the other hand, pretty co-pilot uh, would probably be uh, – like more universally applicable to SMBs and mid-market customers because uh, every user can now become more productive and SMBs really want to do more with less. So, and pretty insights is for leaders, again, um, larger companies may benefit more because their needs for data from different teams uh, could be larger. So, and, and specifically on AI uh, helping us deal with the macro, I think uh, we said this uh, in the last earnings call. So we are focused, we're not, waiting for the macro to improve, we are focused on controlling the variables that we can, like our focus on four growth pillars, like how can we use product innovation in AI, how can we cross-sell more into our existing base, how can we focus on larger deals and drive more operational efficiency. So that is our plan to uh, keep executing as while we wait for the macro to turn. Yeah, and just, hey, uh, it's Dennis, just to add some color there. You, today, we're, we're seeing, even though our products are still in beta, we're seeing pretty broad adoption across all customer sizes for our AI products. So we have, we have over 2,500 uh, customers in beta using Freddie Copilot to improve agent productivity. Uh, we have over 4,000 customers using some aspect of Freddie Insights. And, and those range the gamut from our largest to, to our smallest customers. So I think, I think AI is it's on the agenda for every uh, every CEO, they're all looking for improved outcomes. They're looking for improved efficiency in their operations. And all of our uh, customers, whether you're a customer support leader or an IT leader, you have to have an AI strategy. So that's provoking a lot of discussion. And we're, and I, we're very optimistic about how this is going to play out over the next year. Perfect. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. One moment, please, for our next question. 
And our next question comes from the line of Nick Altman with Scotiabank. Awesome. Uh, thanks, guys. I think earlier you had noted that uh, churn has improved in SMB both year over year and quarter over quarter. Um, I, I was wondering if you could maybe talk about the expansion side and how that's trended. And then just as a follow-up, uh, were any of the you know any of the changes that you'd made to pricing earlier this year has that been sort of a, a tailwind to NRR? And if you could quantify that, um, if you're willing to disclose that, that'd be helpful. Thanks. Hey, Nick, this time I'll take that one. So, yeah, you know, in turn, we're just doing better. Uh, it kind of didn't happen for, for a while. And just cause these are subtle improvements. And I just mentioned we made, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, a company best ever uh, in turn this past quarter. Um, and, it, you know, it goes from S&B all the way up. I mean, part of that is because we have been moving to, to larger customers. Uh, they're signing annual deals. Uh, so the mix shift of our, our customer base is changing. Part of it, uh, fresh service uh, in general, which plays in the larger markets, uh, that is growing faster, and that has great uh, characteristics. Um, when on the flip side of the question, you asked about uh, expansion. Expansion is, you know, it really hasn't changed, and it, it's still a pretty tough environment for expansion, and specifically around Asian additions. Uh, and so what we have been doing is looking at other ways to expand with our customer base. Uh, one of those, uh, which you've alluded to, is that, you know, we did uh, do some, some price changes on our fresh service product. Uh, we did get some, um, you know, some benefit from that so far this year. Uh, and so that, that has helped our net dollar retention slightly. And so uh, even though, you know, on one side, the expansion motion overall is coming down, we did, we did get some expansion benefit from, from price a little bit, um, but also benefit from churn. So hopefully that breaks it down for you. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. One moment, please, for our next question. And our next question comes from the line of Brent Dill with Jeffries. Tyler, on NRR, you mentioned it, it uh, is going to moderate more in Q4. Is Q4 going to be a bottom for for that moderation in NRR? And uh, maybe for Dennis, uh, U.S. and EMEA held up really well, but the APAC uh, showed a pretty big slowdown. Anything going on in the APAC uh, that would uh, describe what happened there? Thanks. Hey, Brent, I'll take the first part of it. So, you know, we had been calling kind of coming out of Q1 even that we thought Q2 was going to go to the 105, 106 range. And, you know, we've been doing a little bit better. And part of the reason is because Turner has been doing better because we've kind of, you know, the expansion kind of come through as we expect. Um, you know, we're calling the kind of 105 for Q4, and based on what we see right now, we do hope that that's kind of kind of be uh, kind of the floor. Um, you know, going and we'll obviously update that. You know, going into next year, if anything changes, um, that kind of assumes that you know we'll be able to maintain uh, the levels of churn, and the expansion is not going to get dramatically worse. And so that's you know obviously the assumptions going into that number. Yeah, just on the uh, geography question, we really didn't see a, a slowdown in. Asia Pac, uh, we have pretty consistent performance across our three big geos. Uh, so, you know, no, no, I would say no appreciable trend to call out there. Great, thanks. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. One moment, please, for our next question. And our next question comes from the line of Alex Zukin with Wolf Research. Hey guys, this is Ethan Brock on for Alex Zukin, and congrats on the solid results. Uh, I have two quick questions. I just first, so one of your peers uh, earlier in the month noted that there's some uh, growth slowdown in September. So I'm just curious, like what you're seeing in the van environment, just given the solid results, uh, and like based on early customer conversations around budgets, like what has that discussion been like for 2024? Uh, we've heard a lot around like tool consolidation. So just curious how you guys saw them across the front office stack, helping driving some larger strategic deals. Uh, hey, Ethan, I'll, I'll take that. So in terms of the first part of the question is around September. Uh, you know, I already mentioned, hey, we've become a little bit more back and loaded, you know, as we've been dealing with larger customers. Uh, but it kind of came through as we expected. And, uh, you know, it uh, it wasn't, you know, there was no real surprise there. Um, and we expect that kind of, you know, that back end loaded nature of the quarters to, to continue uh, as we are, you know, kind of doing that more of that field motion. 
Um, as we look into next year and you asked about, hey, in terms of budgets, are we seeing, you know, uh, anything different? We're not seeing anything different. And, you know, part of our play, as you just mentioned, is to be a great, uh, you know, kind of um, a great cost alternative. And we're going to continue to try to flex that muscle as we go engage with, with customers, especially if they're seeing budget pressures. Uh, we feel that we can uh, be a great alternative to some of their big heavy software that they might have. Yeah, and then just a quick follow-up around uh, the AI piece. So uh, hearing about Copilot coming in one queue is uh, constructive. I'm just curious, I mean, based on the early traction you're seeing in beta, and just how would you stack rank what you guys would expect to be the most impact of the 24 numbers if you think about uh, impact from new spend on just the Gen AI SKUs, also uplift, improving gross retention, just like directly how you guys are thinking about this. And thanks again. So it's a question on monetization for so, yeah, I mean, we, the, it's so early, Ethan, right? We have our, uh, the monetization that's just starting essentially in uh, Freddy self-service, which is again, good to be reflected in chat. Uh, we've talked about Q1 being kind of rolling out GA of uh, Copilot, uh, in which we'd start selling it. I think, you know, Dennis just mentioned, we've got, you know, a lot of customers across the three uh, different AI uh, plays that we have that are in beta right now. And, you know, we're planning to learn as we go and then start to roll this stuff out. So I think the first time we're really going to have anything that we would talk about is probably the first half of next year. Got it. Thank you, guys, and uh, congrats again on the results. Thanks. Thank you. One moment, please, for our next question. And our next question comes from the line of Brent Bracelin with Piper Sandler. Uh, thank you. Good afternoon. Uh, Gee, I'll start with you here. Um, sounds like you're excited by the CS Suite product, a couple hundred customers uh, deploying that this quarter. What is the ACV uplift as you think about a customer that uh, moves to CS Suite? Um, what, is there an ASP uplift uh, when customers move, or, or should we think about this more of a, of a, of a modernized stack and with no uplift? Thanks. Okay, thanks, Brent. And uh, so, first of all, yes, there is an uplift. Uh, I probably have to get back to you the exact numbers, uh, but because the pricing uh, is uh, slightly higher for the CSS suite than standard Fresh Desk or uh, Fresh Chat alone, I would think it's probably, um, I would say, 10 to 20% uh, higher, uh, but actual realizations could be uh, different. So, but yes, in principle, uh, there is an ASP uplift because the customer is getting uh, bots and uh, conversational uh, agent experience as well as ticketing all in one package. So uh, it's higher than Freshdesk standalone and Freshchat standalone, and bots will add on uh, a usage-based pricing as well. Got a helpful color there. And then, Dennis, just as you think about the business here, there's some moving parts. You guys are doing a good job of, of navigating a, a challenging environment. Um, one of the things that stood out to me is – Clearly, you're talking about strength on, on the enterprise, strength in ITSM. Um, uh, we're looking across the industry, seeing some, some weakness on the SMB side. Um, but if I look at net logo ads, it, it did look like uh, enterprise was, was down slightly and, and the, uh, the SMB space was up. Um, maybe if you could just give us an update on what you saw overall in the quarter relative to larger customer demand, SMB, and uh, update that PLG 2.0 initiative. Is that starting to have a little bit of an impact here on, on net, net ads? Thanks. Yeah, so uh, just to back up a bit, remember the markets that we're competing in are massive uh, between sales and marketing, customer support and IT, and uh, any business of any size needs what we provide, needs an IT solution, needs a customer support solution, needs a sales and marketing solution. So the market is massive. And still, when you get into SMB, still relatively underpenetrated. About 40% of our revenue is, is from SMB today. Um, we, we uh, you know, in any given quarter, we're going to see fluctuations across SMB versus our large account acquisition. Also, if you think about, like, in, in enterprise in particular, you tend to have a, a lot of buying cycles that take place at the end of the year as opposed to in the third quarter. So that potentially played into, into it for Q3. Sure. Uh, but in SMB... But in SMB in particular, um, we've, we've started to do some of the things that I talked about at the analyst day to improve the efficiency of our uh, and, and the, the scale of our SMB business. We've 
spent this past quarter, Q3, diversifying some of the uh, sources of leads in before the funnel. So early, uh, think about like uh, going into affiliate marketing and investing more in SEO uh, to drive organic leads into our into our trial funnel. Uh, what we're doing this quarter is focusing on improving the efficiency of that funnel itself, and that's through things like creating more personalized journeys for a prospect that's in the trial itself, using chat and other means to communicate to that trialist to help them get educated on the product and get to value faster. And we know if you get to value faster, ideally in the first day or two of, of trying the product, you're much higher, much more likely to convert. So we, we, we think there's a lot of levers that we haven't really pulled there in optimizing that funnel, um, which will play out over the course of the next year. So I think we've got, you know, it, very broadly speaking, continued to be pushing into mid-market customers, lower end of enterprise, in particular with our IT products, uh, more and more emphasis on cross-sell and, and expansion of our existing base, and then getting that SMB funnel humming through what we're calling PLG 2.0. Those are the three big levers we're really going to be playing with over the course of the next year that, and that we'll be talking about on our calls. Super helpful, caller. Thank you. Thank you. One moment, please, for our next question. And our next question comes from the line of Brian Schwartz with Oppenheimer & Company. Thank you for taking my question. Tyler, just to button up the, uh, the NRR um, guidance and, and the compression, I think you called out um, ITSM kind of being uh, the, the expansions weaker than expected in your introductory commentary. Um, but then in, in the Q&A, it sounds like maybe it was a little more broad-based. So um, just wanted to get maybe some clarity on, on that, if it's constrained to the ITSM business or, or you're seeing it across the product set. And then, Dennis, one question for you just on, the, um, on the, customer, the, the new customer ads. Can you shed any light on what you're seeing across industries? Um, you know, we, we heard about some weakness in, in automotive and suppliers. And uh, just wondering if you're seeing, you know, any strength or, or weaknesses across industries, given how horizontal the solution is. Thank you. Yeah, hey, Brian, I'll take the first part. No, I don't think we or we didn't mean to call out ITSM expansion in particular uh, seeing pressure. I, I, I'm mainly just saying, you know, the expansion motion in general continues to see pressure, which it has for, for over a year now. Really the, you know, the agent addition part of that. I think what we called out is that, you know, on ITSM, we actually, you know, had a little bit of price leverage this year. And so that kind of offset a little bit of the agent uh, additions that might have slowed. Um, and so that was, you know, kind of more of a positive to ITSM. In general, ITSM also has better churn characteristics uh, as it's dealing with, you know, larger customers. So hopefully that clarifies. We weren't trying to call out expansion uh, pressure on ITSM specifically. I think um, so uh, just on the, the industry question, you know, for the reasons that I was just talking about, the fact that we address such a uh, broad market, the fact that the market is very horizontal, if you have an IT department or a customer support department, you need to automate it. Uh, we don't have any single industry that really drives a lot of concentration for us today. We tend to get, uh, I, I would say on the larger accounts, we tend to get a, a nice reference cycle where we get uh, two or three travel companies. Next thing you know, we've got 10 travel companies We've seen that with industrial recently, where we had a handful of industrial companies, some in steel, some in manufacturing. All of a sudden, we've got a lot going on there. Uh, and then the other area that we have seen, I would say, fairly continued strength over the course of the last several quarters is in um, higher ed and education, where uh, lots of universities are uh, trying to automate all aspects of their business. They're trying to become more efficient as well, uh, typically have very fragmented IT stacks across different departments. University of Pennsylvania is an example of, of one that we referred to where that was an expansion of an existing account where they're trying to uh, put, put everybody in, in, on the school in the same platform. So those are the kinds of things that, that we're seeing in, um, uh, across the board. But I wouldn't say that there's any specific industry that, that, that showed particular strength or weakness given the broad base of customers that we have. Thank you for taking my questions. Thank you. One moment, please, for our next question. And our next question comes from the line of Pat Wallravens with JMP Securities. Oh, great. 
Thank you, and congratulations on the results. Um, so Billings growth was 19% in constant currency in Q3 versus 21 in Q1 and Q2. So Dennis, is it fair for us to assess that sales attainment was good in Q3, but maybe not quite as good as in the first half? So overall, look, we, we are pleased with the quarter in terms of where we landed. Of course, we kind of we set high goals for ourselves, and I think we said this at the uh, at the uh, at the investor day. You know, we're not we're not satisfied with with the growth rates that we're seeing now. We think we can do much better. We've got a lot going on uh, to get there. I think the addition of uh, Nika Yamamoto as our our new uh, chief customer marketing officer that's a big. Uh, add for us because a lot of what we need to do also is in that marketing space. So, um, so yeah, I mean, our our aspiration, our goals are to continue to grow the business at rates that are higher than what we're seeing now, and that's what we're going to continue to do. All right, great, that's helpful. And then, um, you know, at the analyst day, you guys, um, and I know you're you're very specifically not breaking out by segments, but at the analyst day, IT was growing in the low 40s and um, customer service in the low to mid-teens and sales less than 10. Is that still like a overall a roughly accurate assessment of the business or was there some change? Yeah, so, so you know, we, we shared the, that data um, at the analyst day specifically to give investors some sense as to the size and scale of the different parts of our business. Uh, we don't intend to update those numbers on a quarterly basis, um, potentially at a future uh, investor day, but broadly speaking, the, the you know the trends that we and, and the uh, the data that we shared back in September, the trends that we shared are, are consistent with what we've seen uh, this quarter in Q3 as well. All right, great. Thank you very much. Thank you. One moment, please, for our next question. And our next question comes from the line of Adam Berger with Bank of America. Hey, thanks for taking my question. Um, so with the focus on cross-sell, what, what are some of the biggest initiatives or investments there? And just, you know, naturally, you know, what products have you found to be more, you know, common pairings that you're kind of pushing for? Thanks. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. So I think, I, you know, what, one of the motions that we highlighted last quarter that started to really hum is that uh, IT and ESM. So we're finding more and more customers are looking to uh, provision a single workflow engine for all of their departments. And uh, often we can, we can turn an IT only discussion into an IT plus finance, uh, you know, finance plus uh, legal department uh, discussion. Uh, or we can go back to our customers that are just on ITSM and broaden the discussion to include other departments because we've proven that we can serve their IT department. Um, so that's that's a real clear uh, motion for us that we're just making part of how we how we go to market. Um, you're you're seeing on the on the customer support side, uh, moving customers into uh, bots who previously may not have tried to automate their interactions with their customers. So we have a nat natural upsell for customers that or that maybe they have fairly rudimentary bots that are just handling a small fraction of their inbound inquiries. There's an opportunity there to educate them on how to automate more and more interactions with their customers, how to apply AI to those interactions to build bots, and, uh, and that's actually an upsell opportunity for us because it creates this consumption revenue stream. That's really where uh, we're going to be spending a lot of time this quarter and then next year uh, because we have a lot of customers uh, that have sizable consumer bases in particular, this is in particular B2C, it does apply to B2B as well, but particularly B2C, uh, who have not automated as many workflows as they can, or they've automated only the rudimentary workflows. AI allows you to automate a lot more, and uh, and that in turn creates a revenue stream for us. So those, that's, that's awesome. a little bit of flavor yeah. of, of the big motions that we're focused on. Yeah, that's awesome, color. Thank you. Thank you. One moment, please. And our final question comes from the line of Taylor McGinnis with UBS. Yeah, hi. Thank you so much for squeezing me in. Um, just a question on you kept the medium, um, the the median of the constant currency revenue guide for 4Q and change, but you lowered the high end of the range. 
So is that a reflection of at all of any areas being a tad softer than expected? You know, perhaps maybe there was something at the end of the quarter. And if you look at the upside to billings, it was a bit lighter than what we saw last quarter. So maybe that had a role. I know earlier you mentioned, you know, things being more back end loaded, but maybe you can help us bridge those two metrics. Thanks. Hey Taylor, so Tyler, I, I wouldn't read too much into it. I think in general, yeah, I mean, there are still macro pressures on expansion, right? So we are cautious still. And, you know, we, we every quarter we've kind of been uh, like that as we go in, as we want to see things play out. Uh, in terms of the guidance, you know, we are just trying to call it as we see it. Um, on the billing side, you know, we have had this, uh, you know, this shift to, uh, to kind of, you know, slightly larger deals, but those tend to play annual in advance, which does help your billing cycle. But then again, you know, we saw we still do have a really decent expansion motion, and a lot of that's unpredictable as it comes through based on the proration of those contracts. Um, so I wouldn't read in too much on on the the, the midpoints and whatnot. Um, but going into to Q4, I mean, we'll, we're still going to be cautious on the uh, the expansion side of it. But new businesses, you know, it, it came in uh, decent in in Q3. The numbers, the the, the net ads were good, uh, and we just need to execute this quarter. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for participating. This concludes today's program. You may now disconnect.